Welcome to the P3 Podcast. This is episode 12, The Most Important R in Schools, Relationships, with Dr. Adam Drummond. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the P3 Podcast. Adam Drummond, EDD, has served as a consultant, manager, director, and keynoter for the International Center for Leadership in Education. Adam's servant leadership and passion for making a change in the world has offered him the opportunity to work with students, teachers, and school leaders across the country and internationally. Adam's mantra, 100% of the students, 100% of the time, offers the opportunity to engage teachers and leaders in helping them build their own leadership capacity and skill set to ensure that all students receive the very best education possible every single day. Today's children are tomorrow's leaders, and Adam believes that we must create the conditions for students and adults to be lifelong learners. Adam's newly released book, The Instructional Change Agent, 48 Ways to Be the Leader Your School Needs, recently launched in June of 2019. I'm excited for you to learn today from the wisdom of Adam Drummond, who was our keynote speaker at the EdCamp this year, and this is his breakout session all about relationships being the most important R. So enjoy this time with Dr. Adam Drummond. All right, good morning, everyone. And uh, Dr. Drummond, great to have you join us. And uh, we'll just go ahead and jump right in and turn this over to you. Great, thanks so much, Andy. So good morning again. It's great to be with you all for round two of our opportunity to collaborate. And what I want to do is actually start with a a piece of reflection. I mentioned at the beginning of our session this morning that John Hattie um, talks a lot around the importance of reflection, and it's one of the high yield strategies. And so what I want you to do is either from the keynote or your first breakout session, I want you to succinctly in one sentence, talk about a takeaway and drop that takeaway in the chat right now. Ooh, I like that, Kate. Servant leadership is not weak leadership. It's based on relationships. Mm. Yeah, interventions are meaningless without progress monitoring. I really like that as well. Yeah, Leslie, I, I think that the recon, the relationship, you know, of course it's great for kids, but it's great for us as adults as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that that one specifically resonated with with you um, in the session. So I always want to talk about the importance of some reflection time when we're in conference sessions like this. Um, We'll go from session to session to session. And if we don't take some time to really synthesize the information, we'll get to the end of the day, we're exhausted, and then we jump into our regular lives tomorrow. And then we end up um, forgetting this great learning that occurred. And so one of the strategies that I often give folks at the conferences is to just take a a sheet of paper, divide it into fourths, and look for four key points. And in each corner, put the the statement that was important to you, and then some of your thoughts, just jotting them down and ideas. And and some folks from a virtual standpoint, um, you can do it by creating a table in a a Word doc. So just a really quick strategy so that at the end of the day, um, you have taken all of the notes you've written and you've really synthesized into four key ideas that are manageable for you to take away um, as we move forward. 
So we're going to dig into this idea of relationships a little bit more, um, and I have a driving question, but first I want to share with you just a little bit um, about my family, uh, because I think it's important that you, you see me not just as a, a screen um, that's two by two, but really who my family is. And so um, you'll see pictures up on my screen right now. My wife, Tiffany, is a high school career and technical education director, so she works with 13 half-day programs at our comprehensive high school here in Indiana. My oldest son, Chase, is going to be 17 in about uh, six weeks, which is just crazy to think about. So we've started the whole, what are we doing after high school and college conversation. Uh, my middle son, Carson, is 12 and is in sixth grade. And I would tell you, um, I've never met a kid make an adjustment from elementary to middle school quite as well as Carson. I think it has everything to do with the fact that he is a 50-year-old man in a 12-year-old body. Um, that's what I have uh, come to the realization. He also likes to be the third parent in the house. Um, so he believes he has an equal voice in all decision making. Um, so he is always a fun little kiddo. Um, I joke with, we both joke with our oldest son that he did not adequately prepare us um, for his siblings at all. And then you'll see my daughter there. She is seven and in first grade. Um, and she loves everything about school that's related to social environment. Um, in fact, we got a call from her teacher this fall after they did the fall reading benchmark and shared that she probably could have benchmarked higher, um, but in her decoding, she would just guess as soon as she saw the beginning sounds of words. Um, and when her teacher asked her about it, she said, eh, it's close enough. That's pretty much her idea about school. As long as I get around the ballpark of it, we're in, we're in pretty good shape. Uh, so, you know, why I share these, these pieces with you um, for a couple reasons. Uh, first, I want you to think about your own life and the information that I shared with you. Where did you see a connection that you made with me? Drop that connection in the chat right now. Absolutely. So the, we crave connections with people. And when we think about the importance of relationships, I, I think at the beginning of the year, we do an okay job of really starting to set the stage for that. But then we get so caught up in our content and the work that's happening that we often forget that relationships should be pivotal of everything that we're doing every single day. And making sure that our students know us outside of just who is the teacher or who is the principal, right? We went to dinner the, about a month ago with some friends after the middle school band concert. And as we're sitting there, we each have three kids and our, our, our youngest are both first graders in the same class and their teacher walked in. And the one boy just looked in awe that his teacher would actually like be at an Applebee's, right? Because, you know, teachers only live at school. Um, and, you know, she stopped and talked and she shared, you know, what her favorite food at Applebee's was and um, what they got to eat. And she spent no more than probably 60 seconds. Um, but those 60 seconds were the most powerful 60 seconds for my two kids or the two kids that were there, my daughter and their, and their son. And I think we often miss those really easy opportunities that have great impact and pay dividends in the work that we're doing around relationships. And so I think for teachers to really understand, like share your experiences, share the things that are happening. I was in North Carolina um, and presenting at a conference and my colleague lives in North Carolina and she happens to have chickens. Um, and so she raises chickens and has eggs, you know, and all of those things. And um, I am not a country person whatsoever. 
Um, camping for me is like staying at something other than a Marriott. That's about my extent of camping. Like I have zero desire, zero interest, not been on a farm. Um, and she's like, you have to go feed the chickens. And I'm like, no, really, I don't. It's okay. I will be completely fine. And she's like, no, you have to. So um, she drug me out and I was able to have this really great experience um, of feeding chickens. And I used this photo the next day when I talked with a group of superintendents and the conversations that came from this image and how it connected with those superintendents made the next three hours fly by. All because I shared a 60 second story about feeding chickens. And most of the folks in that room either had chickens, had farms, knew what had the experience and we were able to make those connections. Had I not had this 60 second experience um, with them, could I still have made relationships? Absolutely. That was totally still plausible. Did it work as quickly and as fast as I would have wanted it? Not a chance. But giving them this a little glimpse into my life that I'm not just a guy in a suit coming to deliver a message to them, um, but they see me in the ground, in boots, feeding a chicken, having this experience resonated with them, made me more human and they were more apt to talk to me. So what is the takeaway for you as principals from this conversation around just this image and the experience that I shared with you? What are you thinking right now about ways in which you can lower the mask, so to speak, of being the administrator and, and being a person that your students and staff know. Tell me your thoughts in the chat or come off mute. I'm totally fine to come off mute as well. It's okay to be vulnerable, be a regular human. I love that, Larry. Yeah, it, it Justin, I like that it establishes vulnerability. You're modeling, right? Like as educators, as leaders, we have to take the opportunities when we're with staff to model the behaviors that we want. And we can't just make assumptions that because I showed you it, you're gonna go do it. We have to be explicit in it, right? I could have put this image up, talked about how I fed chickens, how great it was and moved on. Would the context of me modeling this and talking to you about it and spending, gosh, three to four minutes around this particular topic, would it have had the same impact? Absolutely not. I was being explicit in not only what it was, but why and how it made a difference. So as leaders, when we're in front of our staff, not only do we need to model it, but we also need to reverse engineer it. And that's one of the pieces that I share with leaders. It's called reverse engineering. We give an experience and then we backwards map why we did it, right? So in the first 10 minutes of this presentation, I started with, the introduction, and I started immediately with my kids. Why? Because I wanted you to have a personal connection with me. I gave you just a little snippet of each of my children because there's three distinct personalities. And if you have a child, a grandchild, a niece, or a nephew, something in that story resonated. If your spouse was an educator, it resonated. If you were in career and technical education, it resonated. My sole purpose in that first 90 seconds with those photos was for you to build some type of connection with me. Then I moved into this image because I wanted to give you a real life, here's an action shot of something that I experienced that I had never experienced before, that I was modeling vulnerability. 
Did I want to do this? Absolutely not. Was it 100% out of my comfort zone? You betcha. Did I think a chicken was going to bite my hand? Yeah, I did, right? These were those authentic experiences, but connected it into the what and the how. And so we have to really make sure that we are modeling the behaviors that we want, and we need to reverse engineer those experiences so teachers explicitly know. And then they can reverse engineer the learning experiences that happen in classrooms for students. That, that's part of closure, right? Go all the way back to Madeline Hunter's lesson design, right? It's not about writing lesson plans, but it's about knowing closure. Part of closure is helping kids backwards map what happened over these 30 minutes and what was the most important learning that happened in the day. We can't get there if we don't have relationships in place. So this is our driving question that I want you to think about for today. How do I organize my time to ensure that I'm creating ways to build relationships in my school so we can enhance our culture and prime success for all. Okay, so this is the question I want us to wrestle with. There's four parts. Organizing your time, creating ways to build relationships, which in turn enhances our culture and prime success for learning. We only have about 30 minutes together we're not gonna hit all of these to the level of detail, right? This is something that I go in and spend a day on um, working with faculty and staff and then come in and do follow-up coaching in those pieces. Um, but I wanna just jump straight to the strategies that can help you get there and what that looks like. And I'm gonna actually start um, by a, a resource, a tool around building these relationships. And so I want you to think about um, what I would call your frequent flyers. They're the kiddos in your life that you know really, really well because they visit you regularly. They like to spend time with you. Your teachers like to let you, let them spend time with you. How many frequent flyers do you have? What percentage of the school um, make up, up those frequent flyers? Is it you know 10 kids? Is it 15 kids? Is it three kids? Come up with that number of kids in your head. And this strategy is to help support those kiddos because those kiddos can impact the culture of classrooms very, very quickly. And while we need to help support teachers and having really great strategies and working with those students, we also recognize that those can become stressors for teachers. So how do we help support students and teachers at the same time? And the strategy that I wanna share with you is called um, the power of five. Uh, and what it is, is it's about how do we build five minutes working one-on-one -on -one with five students. So this is a place that I ask you to start, and I ask you to think about just five of those kids. And I want you to think about the end of the day. The end of the day is one of the most chaotic times of the day for teachers. It's also one of the most, um, I would say, mm, not unorganized for students, but it also creates the most flexibility for issues to happen at the end of the day. And so how do we take those last five minutes of the day and provide opportunities to create structure for those five students? And so I ask you to think about this and, and find five adults in your school who don't have a duty the last 10 minutes of the day. They may go into bus duty or car duty, or they may have some type of duty at dismissal, but those five minutes before, find five adults and ask them to go meet that student at the end of the day 
and talk with that student about their day and walk them to wherever they need to go. Is it the bus? Is it a car line? Is it to the student parking lot if they're a high school student and you're walking them out the door? Is it going to an after school activity? <clears throat> but take five minutes and that adult just has a conversation with that student. Five minutes walking and talking. And I encourage it to be the last five minutes of the day because it's unstructured time of the day. I also encourage it the last five minutes for walking because we actually can have more authentic conversations when we're walking, especially when we look at the research around boys. Um, sitting face-to-face -face is actually a really uncomfortable envi environment for boys in particular, um, and they may not be as open. Whereas if I'm walking side-by-side -side with a student and having a conversation, they're more apt to have the conversation about their day. What's going on? What do they like? It's not a punitive time of the day. It's not a place to correct behaviors and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that or tomorrow you need to do this instead. It's about building a relationship. And so what's the impact over time? This image shows you that, you know, in one week, that's 25 minutes they've spent one-on-one -on -one with a person in their life. In a month, it's 100 minutes. And over the course of an academic year, it's 900 minutes. The impact of five minutes at the end of the day will make a world of difference for your students. They build this relationship with that adult. And then the other piece is if they do get into some type of trouble or they do need to be redirected, they now have another person in their life that can help support them. So now if I'm the classroom teacher and I see that Sam is starting to maybe cycle a little bit and I see those nonverbal indicators to me because I've recognize these are the indicators before Sam blows that I see, right? His foot's tapping a lot. He's shifting in his chair. Maybe his face is turning a little blotchy colored. I can say, hey, Sam, I can tell you need a moment. Can you go see Miss Smith and see what she's doing right now? Maybe she has a couple minutes to talk with you. I now have access that mentor during the day who might be able to help and give Sam a break in the process. When we go back to our, our driving question and we think about that driving question, we're, built, we're creating ways to build relationships with kids. It's going to enhance our culture. It primes success and we're organizing time intentionally. Easy strategy, huge impact. And if you can't find five adults, find two adults. If you can't find two, start with one, but find a way to build this structure in place for it to be successful. The next piece I wanna share with you is a strategy called minute meetings. And this one comes directly from my book, um, Instructional Change Agent. And uh, this strategy really gets at the heart of student voice. Again, if we're gonna enhance culture, we have to understand our student voice. I shared with you the perception study um, surveys that we do, this is, a qualitative approach. And I, I can't take ownership of this. My elementary counselor, uh, Nicole, when she came to my school said, do you care if I do these? And I don't think she called them minute meetings, but essentially what she wanted to do is she had three questions that she wanted to ask her students. And she said, I wanna talk with every single student in, my build in the building. And I'm like, Nicole, you know, we have 550 kids. She's like, I know. She's like, I, I'll do this over the course of, you know, six weeks um, and do a class a day. And I will talk with each student for three minutes. And when I talk with each student for three minutes, you know, that's an hour and a half out of my day talking with kids. I'm like, 
sure, great, have at it. She created a Google form with those three questions. And I think her questions were, what do you like about school? Um, what don't you like about school? And what's one thing that keeps you up at night? Ask those three questions. And she recorded all the results for every student in the school and had this spreadsheet literally of all of this qualitative data. And she was able then to start framing what does she need to do as a counselor to help support the needs. It also helped me as a leader actually get a pulse on the culture of our students. And we actually shared with staff and students, here are some key themes that came out of these 550 minute meetings. Three questions, three minutes. Now, when you think about the minute meetings, you might say two minutes, two questions. If you're sitting here thinking, Adam, I have 1,500 students. Well, it doesn't have to be one person conducting these minute meetings. It could be six people. And you divide the rosters into groups of six. Again, don't throw the strategy out because the number of students or the number of questions are too many. Make it work for you. But essentially, these are the steps. You identify the topic create your collection tool. In this case, we used a Google form. Decide the demographics. You know, some places you might say, I'm gonna do a representative sample. So I'm not gonna do all 1500 students. I'm gonna do hundred students and I'm gonna match the demographics. So I'm gonna look at my free and reduced lunch population. I'm gonna look at my um, race and ethnicity population, special ed versus general ed. And I'm gonna create hundred random students that fit and model the demographics. You then hold the minute or hold the meetings. Um, and then literally you listen, find trends. We developed a SMART goal. So we took the data and said, so what goal do we wanna do with this? And we looked to say, was it specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-based? And then we communicated results back out. Um, I'm gonna drop in the chat, the link to my book, not, um, not as a sales pitch, but the book has a toolkit that is downloadable for free. And the toolkit literally has every activity that's in the book as a PDF and as a Word doc. When you go to the toolkit and you look for the minute meetings resource, there's 50 questions already developed that you could use for minute meetings. So if you want a bank of questions, it's there for you as a resource. So I dropped it in the chat in case you want it. If not, no big deal, but I always like to give you resources that you can easily go and do, right? For me, it's about turnkey, that I give you something that you can in turn go do tomorrow and have an impact. And so minute meetings are one of those ways. So when we go back and we look at our driving question, in the chat or coming off mute, tell me how minute meetings help us answer this driving question. How does minute meetings help answer this driving question? Either come off mute or drop your idea in the chat right now. Dr. Drummond, I was going to say it kind of touches on all of them because obviously if it's only a minute, it organizes your time. And then that's an, a way to touch base with people and build relationships, which can in turn enhance your culture. And then if you're developing those plans and goals, obviously that's going to work towards success as well. Great. Thank you, Jared. Identifying needs. Oh, I like this, Justin. Proactive versus reactive relationships, right? I think that's the underlying theme in this session um, around relationships is we're going to build relationships one way or the other, and they are going to either be proactive or reactive, and we need to get ahead of it and say, how do we build the proactive ways to build relationships with our students? By asking students questions, 
were valuing their opinion. Schools were created for students, not for teachers or adults, right? Schools were created for students, not for the adults. And so I'm 100% of the time going to do what's right for kids. And if it's great for teachers and staff, that's a bonus. But I'm going to 100% do what's right for kids every single time because schools were created for students, not for the adults. That doesn't mean I'm not caring for my adults, right? Please hear me clearly. That is not a, a, a dig on the adults in the building because we have to make sure that we have healthy adults because unhealthy adults can't help kids. Unhealthy adults cannot help kids. So there, there's two parallel statements there, right? Schools were created for students, not for adults. Unhealthy teachers, unhealthy adults can't help kids. As administrators, we have to ensure both of those things are happening. We do that by making sure we have a really important driving question. If this driving question resonated with you and you're like, Adam, this is a great frame uh, for my thinking, take it, use it, own it, steal it, make it your driving question and use it as a lens in the fact that everything you do, does it help answer one of these parts of the question? If it does, fantastic. If it got you to think about maybe some other driving questions that are important for you and you want to do that, feel free to use that as well. The last one I want to give you is, a, is really more around how do we move in this relationship piece around compassion. And when we think about compassion, when it's built in our classroom, we actually can access these five C's. When we have evidence of compassion, we actually build collaboration. Because if compassion isn't in our classrooms, we're not going to have collaborative learning happening. Students aren't going to feel safe to do it. They're not gonna have the structures to be successful and they're gonna to refuse to collaborate in a deep and meaningful way. And what we know by the Economic World Forum is collaboration is absolutely critical for our students. The next piece is around connecting. We need to be able to leverage our community for real world learning. So we have to build compassion in our classrooms so that we have ways in which we can access the community. We need students to create. And in order to create, that's a high level of thinking. And if we go back to Maslow's hierarchy, that's top tier hierarchical needs. We can't get to that level and ask students to create if we don't have compassion in classrooms. Compassion also allows us to dig pretty deeply in critical thinking and giving feedback and suggestions. In critiquing means self-reflection of ourselves, but also self-reflection in instructional design. And if we don't have compassionate classrooms and we don't have compassionate leaders who are supporting teachers in instructional design, we're not going to make improvements. And then finally, compassionate schools build opportunities for celebrating. I shared with you earlier today around the hashtag P3 EdCamp22 and how leveraging social media to tell our story is absolutely critical. That is a way to celebrate. I think there's a, a session that's happening, maybe it's happening right now around storytelling and the importance of that. You all need to be your storytellers in chief. 
by you celebrating the great things that are happening and putting it in social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, on your website, whether it's a newsletter you're sending home or electronically, by celebrating the great things that are happening models compassion, but it also starts to tell a narrative. And if you're constantly every day looking to find one great thing to tell, you're going to slowly shift that narrative of what people think about your school, what they think about your staff, and what they think about the district. So there is an ownness for you as leaders around this fifth C around celebrating. Without compassion, none of these are possible. As you read those five C's, which one resonates the most with you? Drop that in your chat right now. Which of those five C's resonates the most with you? So here's the part I love around this particular strategy. Uh, again, I spend a lot more time digging into these each, but you have essentially been given choice. Looking at compassion, how does compassion access one of these five C's? You are picking the one that means the most to you right now for the environment that you're in. That's the power of choice. And so when we think about these past 30 minutes, we really focused in on three areas. One, the power of five minutes, right? The mentor end of the day, the minute meetings, this idea of compassion. All of those help us get to building strong relationships for our students and in the work that they're doing. Because at the end of the day, it's up to you to be the change that you wish to see in your school. You are the lead learner. You are the one that sets the tone about relationships. If you're every day talking relationships, 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 you're modeling relationships, you're going into classrooms and talking with students, you're showing relationships matter. And you're being explicit when you talk with teachers about it. Not only the what, but the why. What are the things that I'm doing to ensure relationships are happening? So as we wrap up today, again, would love to continue any conversations that's, imp that's important to you. You can connect with me on Twitter. Make sure you're using that hashtag throughout the rest of the day. I'm also putting in that link. If you want any follow-up, you can access that. Uh, and just want to thank you for your time. I mean, not only did you join me for the first 30 minutes, but you came back for more. So I appreciate that greatly and hope that between the, the 60 minutes that we spent together today, um, there was something in there for you that made a difference in what you're gonna to do tomorrow. That's my ultimate goal and my mission is that I, I walk away hoping that I've given you a strategy on something that you can do tomorrow to make the lives better for your students. So thank you for the 30 minutes plus, and I hope you have a, a great, fantastic conference the rest of the day. The P3 Podcast is a podcast for principals by principals. Our team hopes that you are inspired as you learn from school leaders in Kentucky and beyond. Please take a moment to like and subscribe to the P3 podcast. And it would be awesome if you would share this episode with other school leaders in your PLN. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a lead learner with a growth mindset. And most of all, thank you for being a champion for kids. <laughs>